I want you guys to picture one of the happiest moments of your life, all right? Like, you know, those core happy moments? I want to share one of mine with you. I was on a family trip to Hawaii, all right? So extended family, a lot of us are there, and my dad and brother and I actually split off from the group so we could go do something a little bit more adventurous, just the three of us. So we go up to Haleakala, which I have surprisingly pronounced correctly, Self five. Um, it's the tallest volcano in Maui. And we go up there and we get on some bikes and we start riding some bicycles down this volcano. And uh, we, we grew up in Texas, guys. Like the only color we're used to seeing is brown, all right? And so there's all this like really rich green and then there's Hawaii blue. It's like blue, but more expensive. Um, and so there's just like these really rich blues and greens everywhere. Uh, and then we turn the corner and then there's purple, all right? Like tons and tons of purple because it was a lavender farm. So it looks incredibly beautiful. It smells amazing. There's a little cafe. And so we stop, we get off our bikes and we get some lavender scones and banana pancakes and uh, coffee and tea. And it just like that moment is one of the happiest moments in my life. We, we all have moments we can look back to and be like, yeah, that was a moment when I was really happy, right? Uh, maybe it was a vacation, but maybe it was a specific day, right? Like, maybe it was the day you got to marry your best friend. Maybe it's your wedding day. Maybe it was the day that, like, you welcomed a child to your family. Or maybe it was the day you welcomed your favorite child to your family, right? Like, I've talked to you. I know that's a thing, okay? You can't lie to me. Um, maybe it's back when you were a child, right? It was Christmas morning, or maybe it's Christmas morning now. Maybe it's, maybe it's not Christmas. You're someone who wants to stick up for Thanksgiving, and it's, uh, it's like Thanksgiving with family and football. Maybe it's the first pumpkin spice latte of each season, like September 1st at Starbucks. I don't know. Like, what is it for you? There's those moments where anyone would be happy. But there's also moments where almost anyone would be unhappy, right? Like the opposite of all of those. Maybe it's getting a vacation canceled, no deposits back, and all of a sudden your plans are changed and you can't fix it. Or on the sadder side, maybe it's a divorce, like that moment you found out you were getting a divorce, or the loss of a child, finding yourself stuck in a season that you don't want to be in, that no matter what you do, you can't crawl your way out of, from job loss to divorce to mental health stuff, like, I've been there, I get it. Life can be brutal. And yet, even when life's brutal, right? Like, we know people who are happier in unhappy circumstances than some people are when circumstances are great, right? Like, there's those people, we can think of them, who just radiate this happiness, like a deep happiness, okay? It's not delusional. It's not naive, right? They're not unaware of their circumstances, but there's still just this deep peace and deep happiness, no matter what. And I want to be that kind of person, but you want to be that kind of person. Honestly, I think Jesus wants us to be those kinds of people, right? People who know joy. That's what we're talking about today. We're actually, we're kicking off a new series. It's called Pursuit. Uh, it's a study through the book of Philippians. And it's all about how we can actively pursue some of the best things in life in a way that honors God. I think joy is one of the best things in life. And it's something we can pursue, right? Something we do, it's active. It's not just let's sit back and hope things go great. No, we actively pursue joy. And we're going to do that as we look at the book of Philippians today. And we're learning from a man named Paul. So who's Paul? 
Uh, Paul is originally a Jewish religious leader known as a Pharisee, all right? This is somebody, and he was actually hunting those who were following Jesus. So Jesus has already come down to earth. He's lived a perfect life. He's died. Uh, he's gone back to heaven. So he, Jesus is gone, and people are following him, and those are Christians. So Paul was a Jewish religious leader who was actually hunting down and killing Christians. So Paul's on a Jesus follower killing road trip, and Jesus shows up, and that changes Paul's life. Paul goes from someone who hates Jesus to someone who wants to follow him. So he goes and he studies and he learns from people who know Jesus. And then he comes back and he starts planting churches. All right? So Paul's gone from someone who hates Jesus to someone who's following Jesus. And that's actually something that got him in trouble with the Roman government. And so Paul is writing this letter to a church at Philippi. So it's called Philippians from a jail cell when he doesn't know if he's going to live or die. All right? That's where Paul's at. And his life has joy. So it's joy, right? I want a definition I can remember. This is really short. Joy is a deep happiness, all right? And Paul's life has joy. There is a deep happiness. And that's what I want for us. And I think that's something we pursue, right? It's our series Pursuit. We want to pursue joy. How do we do that? Well, there's three steps, and we actually get them all from Philippians chapter 1 as we're looking at Paul's life. Here's the first step. It's to move your focus from yourself to Jesus, right? If we want to pursue joy, we start by moving our focus from ourselves to Jesus. And we see that Paul's already done this because of how he writes. Um, He starts by saying, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the goodness. What's everything that's happened? He's been beaten. He's been thrown in jail. He doesn't know if he's going to live or not. You know, fun stuff. Everything that's happened has helped to spread the good news. So we keep going. And for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence, and they boldly speak God's message without fear. And Paul's acknowledging his circumstances. He's aware of what's going on. Yeah, I'm in jail. But there's still joy and confidence in how he speaks, right? It's because Paul has moved the focus of his life from himself to Jesus. It's not all about how unjust or unfair or uncomfortable his circumstances are. It's like, yeah, stuff's going on here, but people are talking about Jesus, so... I'm okay with that. I'm excited about it. Guys, it's easy to put this on a screen. It's hard to do that. I recognize that, okay? Uh, I think it's even harder in a world that very naturally encourages us to think about ourselves more than anyone else. Like, uh, we wouldn't say we live in a world, or at least our world wouldn't necessarily say, oh yeah, we're super, super self-focused, but we use a lot of words that are about ourselves, like self-improvement, or self-sufficiency, or self-care, um, self-love, self-acceptance. None of those things are bad, okay? But that's just a lot of self that we get again and again and again. And a whole lot of self means we can become self-absorbed, not even know it. Um, I'm excited. Christmas is less than 100 days away. Uh, I've been told I can't talk about it too much yet, but I'm happy, and I know some of you are too. Uh, But actually, I'm not too concerned with Santa Claus this year. Uh, I am concerned with Jeff Bezos, all right? Jeff Bezos has replaced Santa Claus in my life. He knows when I am sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. He knows if I'm going to whine in prime, so change your cookies, for goodness sake. Uh, I think Jeff Bezos knows my emotional state and well-being maybe more than I do. Um, and I know just because how I end up on Amazon. Because it's not like I think, you know what, I need to get on Amazon and see what I need today. Like, no, I'm scrolling on TikTok, and then I see an advertisement, and it's like it was made for me. Because it was. They're like, Reed would like that. I'm like, you're right, Reed would like that. I'm going to click on it. And I click on that link, and here I am on Amazon. And I'm like, oh, I don't. Dave Ramsey says no. And I put my phone away, all right? Um, 
But that ad was made for me. Like, we live in a world that has algorithms that track every uh, data point and whisper that it can to present options for your consumption. But just because something is for you doesn't mean it is good for you, right? And it's very easy for us to live in a world where we become very self-absorbed because a lot of stuff is made just for us, but it may not be good for us. Instead, I think that moving our focus from ourselves to Jesus is actually way better for us, right? even just emotionally better for us. Because I want us to have a deep happiness, a joy that is stable. And if we keep all of our focus on ourselves, I think our joy is unstable, okay? Um, when everything's going great in life, sure, focus on yourself. It works, okay? But what about when things aren't? Like when your circumstances beyond your control are less than fantastic, okay? Put in a mildly church-appropriate version, less than fantastic circumstances. If your life's all about you, then joy can evaporate. Um, because our joy is tied to our hope. And our hope is our expectation for a better future. And if we're always focused on ourselves, then our hope can be focused on ourselves. Our expectation for a better future is about where we're at and what we can do. And when we can't make our circumstances better, our hope goes away, and then so does our joy. But instead, if we've moved our focus from ourselves to Jesus, right, we can find ourselves without hope, but Jesus can always change our circumstances. And even if he doesn't, he can provide us a hope beyond our circumstances that we can't control on our own. So that actually provides a more stable hope. And if there's a more stable hope, there's a more stable joy. So if we want to pursue joy, that first step is moving our focus from ourselves to Jesus. right? Because he can control stuff we can't. And that just kind of makes me think about this idea of circumstances, what's, what's in your control and what's not. And that leads us to our second step. The second step to pursuing joy is to identify what you can and can't control. Right? Identify what you can and can't control. And Paul recognizes that not everything affecting his life is within his ability to control, okay? Check out his tone in this next section of Philippians 1. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. And those others, they don't have pure motives they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. Look, their intentions. Hey, their intentions, they're intending to make my chains more painful to me. And, I mean, just look at how Paul responds. That doesn't matter, right? Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, or I take joy, I pursue joy, I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. All right? And so we keep going. And he says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I'll continue to be bold for Christ, which is what landed him in jail, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. And Paul recognized there's a lot going on here that he can't control. He can't control what other people say, what they do, why they say it, why they do it. He can't even control whether he lives or dies. He recognized, like, well, whether I live or die, I want to honor Christ, Right? Paul has identified what you can and he can't control. And to help us do the same thing, I want to introduce our next YouTube segment of the day called Art Class with Reed. All right? Um, I'm going to level with you. I think what we're about to do is probably not considered art. Uh, I think that's maybe a bit of a stretch and being a little generous. But I do have a marker. So Art Class with Reed. This is something that I learned in counseling. It's called Circles of Control. All right? It's something that we can use. It's a tool to identify whether or not something is within our control. Um, let's see, how about 
stick figure down here. We're talking about Joyce. We've got a smile. Um, hey, guys, this isn't going to be a circle. All right? I'm just going to go ahead and let you know this is not going to be a circle. But if you use your imagination and that went all the way around, you'd have a circle. All right? So let's pick something, and we're going to decide whether or not it's within our control. What's something that nobody is sick of hearing about? COVID. Got it. Cool. So let's just draw COVID up here. Let's do a frowny face. I don't like it very much. Uh, all right. So we have COVID. Let me out, guys. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Is COVID the global pandemic within our control? Thumbs. Come on. Come on, thumbs. I'm going to shame you into doing this. Good work. Great thumbs down. All right. Uh, guys, that's, that's beyond our control. Okay. But let's pick something that's a little bit closer. You guys don't have to do any more thumbs, okay? We did great work. Way to go, team. Uh, let's pick, let's call it relationships, all right? We're just going to keep that one vague. Relationships. Next time, if a second grader wants to come and do the writing, that would probably be better. Um, all right, what about relationships? That's a little bit closer to home. That's inside the circle, right? 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 Wrong. Trick question. I have a marker. We're going to draw another circle. All right. Another circle. Again, if you go all the way around, it's a circle. Um, here's the deal. Relationships actually fall into a different category. This is something called a circle of perceived control. Okay? We know we can't control a global pandemic. We feel like we can, or at least we should, be able to control our relationships. All right? And I get it. We want to. We think we can, right? You can't. And I'll explain why in a minute. What you can control is in our final circle down here, we're going to call this our attitude and our actions. That's what we can control. All right? This is much of how we respond to the rest of the world around us. Inside your circle of control is your attitude and your actions. Right? You can control that. You cannot control things obviously outside of your control or things that you might think or feel you control but you actually can't. Right? That's perceived control. I'll give you an example. Okay. Back when that started, I was working at another job where there was a coworker who I'm going to call Gail. I can't give you her real name because that's considered rude and tacky. Uh, we're just going to call her Gail. She was the worst, guys. Like, you ever have a coworker who emails your boss and, like, CCs them when they have a problem with you, but you didn't even know they had a problem with you? Or like someone who's like, per my last email. It's like, you didn't send a first email, right? Like, that's Gail. And she was the boss's favorite, and I didn't like her, and she didn't like me. Um, man, I wanted her to like me, though. She was the boss's favorite. I wanted to get along. I wanted to make sure it was a better office environment. But no matter what I did, I could not get Gail to like me. Like, my attitude, at least at some point in time, was positive, Okay. Uh, my actions, I was intentional. I was like, hey, what can I do to make your life easier? How can I be a good teammate? Like, I was trying, uh, but I could not control her attitude or her actions, right? Which means if I can't control someone else's attitude or their actions, I cannot control how that relationship goes, right? Um, and that was a work relationship that just never got better. I ended up leaving that job, and I don't think I'm her favorite person, and she's, hypothetically speaking, not mine either, right? That's why I changed her name. Uh, but you can have any kind of relationship. I was picking a work one, but man, you can take like a romantic relationship, you could take a parenting relationship, and it still fits. Because where another person has their attitude and their actions impact a relationship, you can't control it. You can impact it, you can affect it, but you can't control it. It's not actually in your control. So what you can control is your attitude and your actions 
towards the things you might feel like you control and towards the things you obviously can't. So this is some bad news, some good news, and some great news, right? Here's the bad news. You actually can't control as much as you think you can, right? For all of us. We are not in control as much as we often think we are. So what do we do when we recognize that this, the circle of perceived control, right, is actually not something in our control? Well, we recognize that we're not responsible for it. You are responsible for what you can control, right? You're responsible for your attitudes and your actions. That's your responses to the world around you. You're responsible for that. If you can't control it, you're not responsible for it. And sometimes we think and we tell ourselves that we are. So when you feel responsible for something that you can't control, remember that while your feelings are real, they're not always reliable. All right? So your feelings are real but not always reliable, and you're not responsible for that. Which, uh, which kind of brings us to the good news. All right? Here's our good news. You're not responsible for what you can't control. Right? And then the great news. Here's the great news. It's that God's got a plan for everything. God controls all of that. His plans are good. Not always what we'd pick, but they're good plans. All right? So, we want to identify what we can and what we can't control. And we want to recognize that this is our responses to the world around us. Right? And that leads us to step three, pursuing joy. It's to be responsible for your responses. This is what we are responsible for. And, and Paul even shows us that in how he speaks and what he's assumed responsibility for and what he hasn't. So as we continue in Philippians chapter 1, and Paul talks about his attitude towards either continuing to work or even dying, he says this, for to me, right, living means living for Christ. So if I live, man, I'm going to keep living for Jesus. I'm going to go, I'm going to work, I'm going to serve him. But dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which one's better. I'm torn between two desires. Like, I want to go and be with Christ, which is far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I'm going to remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you'll have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Man, Paul is responsible for his responses. He's like, man, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. Like, I think I'm going to live. I think that makes more sense. And if that's the case, then I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to keep doing what I was doing, which is what got him in jail in the first place. I'm going to help you experience the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. Man, he's responsible for his attitude and his actions. Man, his attitude is going to be joy either way. And his actions, if he lives, he's going to go and keep doing what he was doing. And if not, he's going to go be with Jesus. That's what we get to do, is we get to be responsible for our responses, right? You get to choose your attitude and your actions. Has anyone ever told you that you get to choose your attitude? Um, people have told me that a lot. Like my mama told me that a lot. And I recognize that sometimes being a, uh, a good mom meant she needed to tell me things I didn't want to hear. I understand that. I'm very grateful for it. What might have, hypothetically speaking, hi mom, uh, been uh, unnecessary was not telling us, but singing it to us. And then, when we were trapped in a car and really, really wanted to hear it, um, making us sing it too, right? Me and my little brother, we were taught a jingle. And now, I'm going to make sure it gets stuck in your head also. Uh, this is how that song goes. I can choose my attitude. It's up to me, not up to you. And the hand motions are essential. 
okay? It's part of the jazzercise. Um, here's the deal. My brother and I hated that. And if you guys hated it, I understand. But imagine having two whiny children sing it to you again and again, right? I promise you, my mom did not do that for her entertainment value. She was trying to teach us something. And it works, right? You can choose your attitude. That is a choice. You cannot choose your circumstances. You can choose your attitude. And because you can choose it, you are responsible for it, okay? We can choose to pursue joy, Because joy is something we feel, right? We can choose to pursue it. I am not saying that you can say, I'm going to feel joy and nothing else. That's not how emotions work. You can say, no matter what else I am feeling, I will also choose to pursue joy. And that's something you can really only do if you have already moved the focus of your life from yourself to Jesus. And then you have identified what you can and can't control. Because if you're trying to control everything that you can't, it's going to be really hard to feel anything other than frustration, right? But if you recognize what you're responsible for is your attitudes and your actions, then you can choose an attitude of joy. Uh, I've got a buddy who does this really well. His name's Ed. Um, he's, a, he's a really sharp guy. His name's Dr. Ed Romine. He's a buddy of mine from school. And Ed has cerebral palsy. So he needs a mechanized wheelchair to get around and many things in life are beyond his ability to physically do. And Ed is one of the most joyful people I've ever met. Um, And he's got a really sharp mind. But one of the things that I love most about Ed is that he makes plans in the future. Like, I'm a planner, right? Like, I want to make plans. And if we make plans, keep them. If not, I'm irritated. Uh, But not like, let's have plans in two weeks kind of thing. Like, Ed makes plans 100 years in the future. Because he knows he's not going to be here in 100 years. Um, I love soccer. Ed can't play soccer but we've got a bro day in heaven where we're going to play soccer together and like ed said like hey do you want to play soccer and i looked him like is this like a sick joke like i don't know what to say right now he's like no not now idiot like in a hundred years let's play soccer together and so we've got plans and when we're in heaven together we're going to play soccer and he's going to kick me in the shins like his words direct quote man ed does things with joy he has chosen to identify what he can and can't control and in this world there's not a lot but he can control his attitude his actions And then he lives with joy, no matter what the circumstances are. We can do the same thing, all right? We're not going to play soccer. You're not going to kick me in the shins. But we are going to do a quick exercise together. And we're going to talk about how do we practically pursue joy, all right? Just in like a day-to-day situation. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, that uh, maybe you've got a significant other or a spouse. And like, do you ever have a day where no matter how great your day is going, like they get home and then all of a sudden your day is not great anymore. Like, look straight at me, it's safer. Look straight at me, no elbows, no eye contact, straight here, I got you. But you're laughing nervously, so I know the answer is yes. Like they get home and no matter what, oh, that day's gone. How do you pursue joy? Let's look at those steps, all right? Step one. Tell them to calm down. Just kidding. That's a horrible idea. Okay. No, 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 no. I would not recommend. Zero out of five stars. Step one, all right? Uh, It's the same steps as earlier. Move the focus from yourself and even them to Jesus, right? Like if the focus of your life or even the focus of your relationship with them is your happiness or it's something selfish, then your night's probably not going to go great. The Jerry Maguire's not real. Guys, that was fiction. They're not going to complete you. And uh, they're also not Jesus, so they can't be responsible for a deep happiness. So don't put that expectation on them. 
and shift that back to Jesus. Put your hope back in Jesus. And then, with that in mind, man, it's not about, hey, what do you get out of this? It's, hey, how do I honor Jesus in this situation? And that moves you to step two. It's identify what you can and can't control. I'm asking you a question. You're going to say no. Can you control what kind of a day they've had? No. Man, one guy gets it. All right. Can you control how they feel about their day? No. Can you control how they speak to you? No. Cool. Glad we're all on the same page. All right. Great talk, guys. So you can't control any of those things. You can't even make the day get better. Like, you can't make it happen. You can try. You can want to try, and that's a noble and a good thing. But honestly, you can't control whether or not the day gets better because that also incorporates their attitude and their actions. So, when you recognize you can't control whether or not any of this works, there's a freedom that you feel as well. And then, knowing that you cannot control what happens, you choose to be responsible for your responses. It's your attitude and your actions, all right? So then you choose an attitude towards your spouse or significant others. I'm going to give you a hint. Some good ones, some good ideas is maybe starting with like compassion, patience, kindness, like that kind of stuff. Start there. Uh, But then back it up with your actions, right? Can you do anything to intentionally serve them, even if they don't, and I quote, deserve it in that moment, right? Can you cook dinner? Uh, Can you get them a pick-me-up? Can you put the kids to bed? Use Benadryl if needed. Just kidding. I don't have kids, very clearly. Um, I think that's illegal. I don't know. Can you, can you do anything to serve them, right? You identify what you are responsible for, and that's your attitude and your actions. And you do that with integrity, to the best of your ability. And then even if the night wasn't great, you go to sleep with peace and with joy. A deep happiness that's there, because you did your best to honor God. And that was the focus of your life anyway. You identify what was and was not in your control. You don't feel responsible for something beyond your control. You recognize that you can't control whether or not their day ended great or not. And then you were responsible for your responses. And you chose an attitude and actions that honored Jesus and honored them. And whether or not it worked, there's a peace and a joy that comes with it. So we can always feel joy. That's always possible. Even while we feel something else. I told you earlier uh, about the Hawaii story, how that was one of the happiest moments of my life. And it was. But I didn't tell you why we were in Hawaii in the first place. Um, see, just a little bit before that, my granny aunt, my grandmother, had passed away. And so her widower, my papo, actually took a lot of our family to Hawaii as a trip so we could spend intentional time together. But also every single meal was like, Granny Ann should be here. Like, where was Granny Ann? So there was also mourning. I'm sharing that not to bring everything down, but just as an honest reminder that you can feel two things at the same time. No matter what your circumstances are or whatever other emotions you are feeling, you can also feel joy. It's not always going to happen naturally, but you can pursue it, right? We don't always obtain it, not right away. It's something we pursue. It's worth chasing with our heart, with our mind, with our hands. With everything we have, we want to pursue joy. And the good news is we don't have to do it by ourselves. We get to ask God for help. So that's what we're going to do right now as we close this out. So we're going to pray together and we're going to ask God to help us pursue joy. God, that's what we're asking for, just honestly and simply. Would you help us to pursue joy? As we're talking about, as we, as we learn from Paul, God, would you help us to make you the focus of our life? And then right now, would you make, us, would you make yourself the focus of our worship? God, would you help us to worship you, to acknowledge who you are, and for you to be the priority? 
And would you help us to identify what we can and can't control? Because there's so much in life that we can't control. And so we are surrendering control of that back to you. Saying, God, you can control it. We can't. We trust you. And as we're telling you that we trust you, we're choosing to worship you. Help us to respond to who you are with worship and with joy. So grow joy in our hearts right now as we're pursuing joy and we're pursuing you. We love you. We trust you. Amen.